One of my favorite ways to invest is real estate, but not everyone wants to handle tenants and toilets. Enter Fundrise. They make it easy to invest in real estate with their flagship fund. Now, as always, you always have to carefully consider the investment objectives and risks of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. But right now, demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. And the Fundrise flagship fund plans on going on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes with just as little as $10 by visiting fundrise.com slash PFP. As always, carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at fundrise.com slash PFP. That's fundrise.com slash PFP. This is a paid advertisement. Spring is a great time of year to do some cleaning around the house and clean up your finances. And something else that you can do for your family this spring is shopping for life insurance with Policy Genius as part of your financial planning for the year. Getting life insurance today means you'll have peace of mind so that if something were to happen to you, your family can cover expenses, things like mortgage payments, credit card payments, car loans, or even college costs. I have a wife and two kids, with a third on the way, by the way, and business partners that all depend depend on my income. So I needed life insurance and Policy Genius made that so incredibly easy. And with Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. So save time and money and provide your family with a financial safety net using Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you can save. That's policygenius.com. On this episode of the Personal Finance Podcast, we're going to talk about the stairway to wealth, but this one's 2.0. Everybody and welcome to the Personal Finance Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew, founder of Master Money. And today on the Personal Finance Podcast, we're going to talk about the Stairway to Wealth 2.0. If you have any questions, hit me up on Instagram at Master Money Co. And follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or whatever podcast player you love listening to this podcast too. And if you want to help out the show, leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. And don't forget to check us out on YouTube as well, at Master Money on YouTube. Now today, we're going to be talking about the Stairway to Wealth 2.0. Because when we released the first iteration of the Stairway to Wealth, we got a ton of questions from some of you coming back as to where you should fit some other situations in. So today, what we've decided is to revamp the Stairway to Wealth. It's going to be pretty much in the same order, but we've added some items and we've put in some items that we think are extremely important. And in addition, we give you some additional steps so that you can build tremendous generational wealth. If you started to hit some of these spots and you're increasing your income and your wealth is growing, well, we're going to talk through what you should do with that extra income that you have coming in. So this is a fantastic episode. This is one you definitely want to check out. And 
We have a printable of the Stairway to Wealth that I'm going to leave a link to that down in the show notes so that you can check that out as well, where you can go and get a downloadable printable that's in a PDF form that you can check out the Stairway to Wealth, have the steps right in front of you, and you can print it off, or you can do whatever you want with it. So check that out as well. I'll leave a link to it down in the show notes. Now, this episode is going to be action-packed. We're going to have a ton of stuff for you guys to unpack, a ton of stuff for you guys to be able to utilize right away. But if you didn't listen to the first Stairway to Wealth episode, if you have no idea what I'm talking about when I'm talking about the Stairway to Wealth, what this is, is this is the order to put your money in. So if you're wondering, what the heck do I do first? I have no idea what to do with my money. I don't know what step I should take first. Should I pay off debt? Should I start investing? Should I take my money and put it under my mattress? I don't know what to do with my money. Well, this is literally an order of operations, a guide to take you step-by-step on what things to do with your money first. This is going to show you, and this is a guide that you can use to say, hey, what is the next step I did with my money? I have enough money now where I have an emergency fund I'm building up. What do I do next? I'm starting to invest in this vehicle. What do I do next? That's what this is there to do. This is your field map. This is the way for you to take each step so each year you're maximizing your wealth potential because my goal for all of you, as you know, if you've listened to this podcast, is to create generational wealth for each and every single one of you. You all have the power to do it. Each and every one of you has the power to build generational wealth. You have to unlock it with knowledge, and you have to unlock it with your hard work, but you have the power to build generational wealth, and I want to show each and every single one of you that. So today, we're going to take you step-by-step on exactly what to do with your money. This is one of the most important episodes that you can listen to when you listen to this podcast. So without further ado, let's get into it. So what the heck should we be doing with our money first? What should we do with our money to put the right foot forward so we can start building generational wealth? And the first one is to build up your safety net. Now, your safety net, this is a new step because this is not your emergency fund. Your safety net is just going to save you when little things come up when you start to build wealth. Now, you may have heard Dave Ramsey talk about this. He talks about saving up your first thousand dollars first. That's the first baby step. Well, I'm taking this one step further. Because I think you need to save up enough money to at least cover your deductibles when you come up and you start saving your money. So what do I mean by that? Well, say, for example, that you get in a car accident. Well, you need to have at least enough money to cover the deductible so that you can get your car fixed so that you can go to work, so you can increase your income, and so that you can go down the line and make sure that you can continue to build generational wealth. The same goes for making sure you have enough to cover your medical deductibles because what if something happens to you or someone in your family? You need to be able to cover that medical deductible. Or what if you have something that happens to your house? Well, you need to have enough money to cover your home insurance deductible. So making sure that you look into, hey, what are my deductibles for these three categories and having enough to cover at least if one of those things happens, having enough to cover whatever the highest number is. So for example, If your car insurance deductible is $2,000, your medical deductible is $2,000, and your home insurance deductible is $3,000, well, you need to start by saving up at least $3,000 so that you have enough money to cover that deductible. This is extremely important. So you could think of this as your mini first step towards your emergency fund. It's a mini emergency fund. It's your cash buffer. And this is truly your safety net that protects you against life when it happens. Because your emergency fund is the big safety net that's going to protect you against life. But this is like your mini emergency fund just so you can start this wealth building process. Just so you can go through the stairway to wealth and make sure that you don't fall down the stairs. 
You can just climb up the stairs ladder by ladder. This protects you so you don't go backwards. And that's what this is in place to do. That's why this is so important to do first. I think this is extremely important to make sure that you have it in place because it saves you from life's oopsie daisies. So that's number one, making sure you have your safety net in place that at least will cover your deductibles. Number two is to make sure that you're getting your match from your employer. Now, if you're not familiar with a 401k match, or you don't know what a Roth 401k matches or HSA match or whatever matches you have from your employer, this is an extremely important thing to understand. Because what this is, is your employer is trying to give you free money, a 100% return on your money. So here's how this works. Typically, if your employer offers it, and if you don't know this, you talk to your HR department, see if your employer offers a 401k match. But if your employer offers what is called a 401k match, you have to take advantage of this. And what it is, is your employer will agree to say, for example, put 3% of your salary in if you put in 3% of your salary. This is 100% return. This is why you have to take advantage of it because it's literally free money. And a lot of people are saying, well, maybe I should pay off debt first before doing this. No, you need to do this because this is a 100% return on your money. If someone said to you, give me $100 and I'll immediately give you back $200, what would you say? Would you say no? That'd be crazy to say no. Well, if you're not taking advantage of your 401k match, that is exactly what you're doing. Now, let me take this one step further because let's say, for example, someone has a really high salary. They make $100,000 a year and their employer matched 3% every single time that they contribute 3%. And let's say, for example, that this person did this for 30 years at an 8% return. Well, after 30 years, they would have contributed $90,000 and their employer would have contributed $90,000. Now, the employer's contribution alone, the free money alone, would grow to $352,000. And if you pair that in with the match that you have to put in, your 3%, that would grow to $704,275.29. So not taking advantage of this free money, you're going to lose out on a lot of money. And if your match is higher, because I've heard a lot of people's matches are much higher than 3%. 3% is a low match for an employer match. What if it was 4%? Well, you'd have $938,000 in that same scenario if it was 4%. If it was 5%, $1.1 million. And I've had a lot of people come back to me and say, well, my employer matches 6%. If you had a 6% employer match where you're putting in 6%, they're putting in 6%, guess how much would be coming back if you made $100,000 a year? Just guess. 1.4% million dollars. This is what you're missing out on if you're not taking advantage of your 401k match. If you're not taking advantage of this free money, $1.4 million is almost $60,000 a year in retirement that you can draw down every single year. $60,000 a year is what you're foregoing by not taking advantage of this free money, this 401k match, which is honestly pretty painless because they take it right out of your check before it even hits your account. So you're not even going to feel it. So making sure you're taking advantage of this 401k match is absolutely incredible. You cannot afford to not take advantage of this if it's offered to you. And if you don't know, go to your HR department right away today if you can and say, hey, do you guys offer a 401k match? If not, can you look into maybe putting this into play? Because it's something that you really want to take advantage of. 
One of the hardest things about managing your money is figuring out where it's all going. And most of us are trying to save for several goals at once, which can feel like a daunting task to see if you're on track or even on pace to accomplishing your goals. But there is a tool that makes it so much easier and it's called Monarch Money. They help you track your money flow without taking a ton of time and energy. And Monarch has built-in features to collaborate with your partner, family, or financial advisor. And you can invite them with an extra account with their own login at no extra cost to collaborate with you. And Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. You can create custom budgets, set notifications, and you can set up automatic rules for transactions and notifications. And after trying Monarch for myself, I understand why it's a top-rated personal finance app. And right now, listeners of this show will get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com PFP. That's M-O-N- A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash P-F-P for your extended 30-day free trial. Now is a great time of year to get your finances in order. And no matter what your financial goals are this year, when you use Chime's online checking account, you can cross all those financial to-dos off your list. Chime's online checking account has tons of benefits that millions of members love, like fee-fee overdraft up to $200. Plus, get paid up to two days early with direct deposit, all while managing your money on the go 24-7. And you get access to over 60,000 ATMs. So start building your credit and open a Chime checking account with at least $200 qualifying direct deposit to get started. Get started at Chime.com PFP. That's Chime.com PFP. Banking services and debit card provided by the Bancorp Bank, N.A., or Stride Bank, N.A., members FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Early access to direct deposit funds depends on payer. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal fees may apply. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. And if you need to hire, you need Indeed, because Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. And they have a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. So ditch the busy work and use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash personal finance. Just go to indeed.com slash personal finance right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash personal finance. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The key to winning in any business is making sure you have the right business partner. An example is Procter & Gamble or Ben & Jerry. But what about the perfect partners when it comes to growing your business? That's you and Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business, from launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to, did we just hit a million dollars stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. 
And most people know one of your biggest struggles when it comes to starting an online business is finding new customers and Shopify can help you do that. And what I love about Shopify is no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. So sign up for $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash PFP, all lowercase. So go to shopify.com slash PFP now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. That's shopify.com slash PFP. The third one is to get rid of high interest debt. Now, debt is absolutely a pants on fire emergency when it's a high interest debt. Now, the reason why there's an argument, maybe you should pay off your debt before you get the 401k match. Absolutely not, because the 401k match is 100% return where your debt is a 20% interest rate. So the, the math makes sense to go for the 401k match first, then hit this high interest debt. Now, for most people, high interest debt is typically going to be credit card debt, or it's going to be like a personal loan or something along those lines. It's typically not going to be your mortgage. It's not going to be a lot of student loans now, although there are some student loans that are pretty high, but typically it's going to be something around credit card debt. Now, you want to look at your interest rate and say, hey, what is considered a high interest debt? Well, for example, credit cards, a lot of credit cards have a 17% interest rate. That's the average in the U.S. right now is a 17% interest rate. Now, I've shown you how much money you can make just in the last example on a 401k match. If you just had a 3% 401k match, so 6% total return, you're making $704,000. Well, imagine 17% going against you and compound interest working against you. That's something you do not want to have to face. So getting rid of this high interest debt before you take these next steps is extremely important because you want to make sure that you can get rid of that high interest debt. You can do this if you're in debt. Listen, I know it's hard if you're in debt. I understand how hard it can be. But listen, you can do this. You can get rid of that debt, but you got to work your butt off. You got to increase your income. You got to do the things that matter. But this is how you build wealth is getting rid of these emergency debts. Now, what is considered a high interest debt to me? Anything above 5%, I'm considering a high interest debt. Now, you may be saying, well, the market returns 8, 9, 10%. That's fine. If you're comfortable toting that line, that's completely fine. But anything above 5% to me is becoming a high interest debt. Now, if you have a lot of wealth and you have a lot of money and maybe you could even pay that debt off if you wanted to, if you had the cash in place, but you prefer to invest, that's another story. But if you are not investing yet and you're looking to really start to build generational wealth and getting rid of this high interest debt, specifically when it's credit cards or personal loans or something along those lines is imperative for your wealth building ability. Now, how do you pay down debt? How do you actually go about doing this? My preferred way, and I'll link it up in the show notes, is called the debt wrecking ball, where you're going to come in like a wrecking ball on debt. Just like Miley Cyrus, you're going to come in like a wrecking ball and get rid of that debt. And what you're going to do is you're going to put your debt by interest rate in order. So if you have a 17% interest rate, a 20% interest rate, and a 12% interest rate, you're going to pay off the 20% interest rate first, then you're going to pay off the 17% interest rate, then you're going to pay off the 12% interest rate. So you're going to go one at a time, boom, 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 knock that debt out, and then move on. That's mathematically the fastest way to do it. Now, I know there's other methods like the debt snowball where you pay off the lowest balance first, but mathematically, that's not the fastest way, but psychologically, it does help people. If the debt snowball helps you, if you prefer that method and you think you would work harder at the debt snowball because psychologically, it just makes more sense, by all means, go for it. You do you, whatever works for you, but I like the debt wrecking ball because it takes down debt mathematically faster. The fourth one, now we're going to build up your emergency fund. Now we're going to build up the money that's going to protect you for your entire life. So 
We have the safety net as number one. Now we're going into building up on that safety net to build out our emergency fund. Now, emergency funds are in place to take out life's surprises. Life's whoopsie-daisies. And your emergency fund is incredibly important because this is your shield. This is your financial shield. This is what's going to protect you against life. See, most people who stay poor, most people who stay in poverty, who live paycheck to paycheck, the reason why they have to live paycheck to paycheck is because they don't have enough cash saved to handle things when life comes their way. So they try to slowly get ahead. Maybe they save a couple extra hundred dollars, but then their car breaks down and they lose out on all that and have to go back into debt again. This is the situation you do not want to be in. So building up the emergency fund and building up your safety net is so incredibly important. Your car breaks down, the money's just there. You lose your job, the money's just there so you can go back and find another job. Your job presents you with an opportunity, but you have to move across country. Well, you have the money there so you can take advantage of that opportunity. See, people who are in poverty and people who stay poor don't have the money in place to take advantage of opportunities. Let's change that for you today. Let's change it for you so you can take advantage of every single opportunity that's presented to you. What if you could take advantage of any opportunity that's presented to you and make sure that your family can get ahead. Well, that is what the emergency fund is there to do. That is why the emergency fund is in place. It's so important to have this in place. So how much emergency fund do you actually need? So it depends on the person. And you're going to hear a lot of gurus out there say all these different numbers, throw all these different numbers out. But it really depends on what your career path is. If you're in a career, let's say, for example, you're a computer engineer and you code out for companies. Well, that's a very high demand job. Whereas if you're in something that may be slower to go find a job, then you're going to need a longer runway on your emergency fund. So say, for example, if you're in a high demand job where you can go get another job in another month and be fine, I would say you only need to be have three months of expenses in your emergency fund. But if you're in a job where it's going to be harder to find a job, you need at least six months of expenses in your emergency fund. Now, as you get to this level and you start to save up three months, four months, five months, six months, what you want to do is look at and say, hey, Do I have enough money here? Am I comfortable? Or do I want to keep saving up to give myself a longer cash buffer? That's how I would look at this. That's how I would start from here. So start to try to get to three to six months. And then if you have a low demand job, you need six months. But if you have a high demand job, at least stay around three months. And then if you're going towards retirement, if you're getting ready to retire, I would say 24 to 36 months is what you need to have in place. Because in retirement, you want to have that extra cash buffer. You're not going to be working anymore. There's going to be no more money coming in if you're fully retired. Now, if you're pursuing financial independence or something like that, and you want to be retired, and you're going to have some a little extra income on the side, or you're going to pursue your passion and have a little passion job, that's a different story. But if you're going to be fully retired, I would say having 24 to 36 months within your emergency fund would be a prudent choice to have. Now, where do you keep your emergency fund? We have a video on YouTube about that. I'll link it up in the show notes as well. But where you want to keep it, and my number one place, is a high-yield savings account, a money market account, or you can do what is called a CD ladder. So all three of those are great places to look at. And we also have an episode talking about that called Where to Keep Your Short-Term Cash. The fifth one is to make your Roth IRA an HSA contribution. So once you have your emergency fund in place, you got your safety nets in place, you paid down your high interest debt, then it's time to look at your Roth IRA and your HSA. Now, we love the Roth IRA here at the Personal Finance Podcast. We absolutely love the Roth IRA. We talk about it all the time. But this used to be just the Roth IRA. But I added the HSA because I think the HSA is equally important. If you haven't heard our episode about the HSA, it's called the Super Retirement Account. That account is absolutely amazing. We'll talk about it here in a second. But 
If you don't know what a Roth IRA is, a Roth IRA is an account where you can put taxed money into an account. Your money grows tax-free, and you can take the money out tax-free. So this is an account that was actually made by Congress for the middle class, but you can actually grow your money tax-free. Now, this is tremendously beneficial for people who want to shelter money from taxes. For example, if you max out your Roth IRA every single year for 30 years and say you get an 8% rate of return, you're going to have over a million dollars in that Roth IRA. And $800,000 of that million dollars is going to be tax-free money. Imagine having $800,000 of tax-free money. This is what's absolutely amazing about the Roth IRA. Now, the HSA, which is also part of this level, and do you have to do both? No, you can pick one. You can go the other route. It doesn't matter. But having both of them in this spot, because people kept asking me, well, where do I do the HSA? Well, it really is just as beneficial as a Roth IRA is, or at least contributing partially to an HSA and maxing out your Roth IRA are both amazing things to do at this level. So at the time I'm recording this, To max out a Roth IRA, you can put $6,000 a year into a Roth IRA. So that's another consideration to have because you can put $6,000 a year into the Roth IRA. Now, what is an HSA? An HSA has triple tax benefits. It has the benefits of a 401k. It has the benefits of a Roth IRA all combined into one. And an HSA actually stands for health savings account. Now, if you qualify for an HSA, you have to have a high deductible health plan. So your deductible has to be high within your health plan. And what happens with an HSA is you put tax-free money into your account. Your money grows tax-free. You can actually invest the money in an HSA. And then you can pull the money out tax-free. The caveat to an HSA is you have to have a qualified medical expense to reimburse yourself so that you can get your money out of an HSA penalty-free. Now, an HSA penalty is 20%. So you really don't want to get that penalty hit. You want to make sure that you have qualified medical expenses. So how do you do this? The cool thing about an HSA is There is no timeline as to when your medical expense was. So if you had an HSA when you were 22 and you skinned your knee and went to the doctor, you can use that money from the doctor bill as a reimbursement when you're age 65. There's no timeline as to when. So you're going to save your receipts over time so that you can reimburse yourself. This is the cool thing about the HSA. So here's what I do. My system is I save my medical receipts in a online file sharing platform. I use Dropbox. You can use whatever you want. You can use OneDrive. You can use Google Drive, but all of them are great. And I save my receipts by year into a file sharing drive. That way, once I'm ready to start drawing money from my HSA tax-free, I have those receipts in place that kind of tracks it for me. And you can put together a spreadsheet as well. I have a spreadsheet kind of calculating the total as I go along, but a lot of HSA companies will actually allow you to upload your receipts into their portal as well, so you can keep track of it there. Now, the only thing about this is, is if you ever change providers in your HSA, then you're going to have to figure out, well, where do I get all those receipts? I got to put them in the next provider and all that kind of stuff as well. So that's why I keep it offline, but if you want to put it within your provider, you can do that as well. So that fifth rung is Roth IRA and HSA contributions. If you have any questions about that, hit me up at Master Money Co. on Instagram. I can answer any questions you have about the HSA or the Roth IRA as well. Number six is max out your pre-retirement account. So once you've got your Roth done, your HSA done, you've got your emergency fund, now we're going to max out the pre-retirement account. So these are things like going back to the 401k. So we already did the 401k match because it's free money. Now we're going back to the 401k, or if you've got a 403b or a 457, All of these will fall into this line. So if you're looking at any of these, they have very similar tax implications. As of 2021, the time I'm recording this, the limits on employee contributions are $19,500 per year that you can put into a 401k. And if you're over the age of 50, 
you can actually put $26,000 a year as catch-up contributions in your 401k. So like I said, the way a 401k works is you put money that has not been taxed yet into your 401k, your money grows, and then you pull the money out, and when you pull the money out, you get taxed. Now, a lot of times, if you're retired, you're getting taxed on money in a lower tax bracket than when you were working. So this is an incredibly cool thing about a 401k is your tax bracket is lowered when you pull the money out. So that's why we're going into this one next. Can you contribute to a 401k before your Roth IRA if that's your preference? Absolutely. If that's your preference, absolutely. But the way the stairway to wealth works is we prefer the Roth IRA to the 401k because of the tax-free growth. So if that's how you want to look at it, you can absolutely reverse these two if you want to. And now we're going to add in some new ones because number seven is you're going to start investing in wealth accelerators. Now, We want to look at, hey, how do I accelerate my wealth? How do I increase my wealth so that I can start building true generational wealth? Now, if you do all these other things before, you're going to be a multimillionaire no matter what if you just do the steps before this one. But if you really want to become extremely wealthy, now it's time to add in some extra things. So wealth accelerators are things like maybe you want to go out and you want to invest in real estate. Now, one thing about real estate that I want to talk about, because if you're a longtime real estate investor, you prefer real estate and you don't want to be putting 30 grand a year into these retirement accounts and you want to do real estate earlier, you can absolutely do that. But if you want to get into real estate after you've maxed out your retirement accounts, this is the point where you want to do it, is in the wealth accelerator phase, stage seven, because stage seven is where you can start buying real estate. Or if you're interested in small businesses, you want to invest in businesses or If you just want to keep it in the market, this is where you can also invest in a taxable brokerage account or your traditional brokerage account as well, where your money's going to get taxed, but you can still invest that money after you've maxed out all these accounts. And wealth accelerators are some of the most amazing things that you can do with your money. Looking at small businesses, I like boring cash flowing businesses, things like laundromats or car washes or things of that nature. Or you can look at real estate. You can look at single-family houses or multifamily houses. You can look at real estate crowdfunding or anything along those lines. This is a great time to do it is once you max out these retirement accounts. Number eight, now you want to save for future expenses. This is another new one we added as well. So future expenses, there's a number of things that you can add to this category, but I'm going to give you some that you may not have thought of. One of them is one that a lot of you will want to do is saving for college. So if you want to save in like a 529 plan and you want to save in a traditional brokerage because you're not sure if your kids are going to go to college, then you can do that in the future expenses category. This comes after saving for your own retirement. Let me say that again. Your kid's college comes after saving for your retirement. Guess why? There's no retirement loans, but there is student loans. There's no loans where I don't have to work anymore and I'm 65, but there is loans for your kids to go to college. So you want to save for your retirement first, take care of yourself first. I know this is hard and then save for your kids college. It's the same thing as when you're on an airplane, what are you supposed to do with your oxygen mask? You take care of your oxygen mask first so that you can help others put theirs on. This is the same situation when it comes to retirement planning. You take care of your retirement first Then you start saving for your kid's college. That's when you want to do it. Also, another future expense that some of you may not be thinking about is a wedding fund. Now, it used to be that the bride's parents pay for the wedding, but now I'm starting to see it where it's getting split 50-50, 60-40, somewhere in that range. So if you have kids and you think they're going to get married, honestly, now is the time to start it up because you can start saving 100 bucks a month and all of a sudden when the wedding comes up, it doesn't hurt at all. You have the cash there. Your kids are going to be thankful, hopefully, that you saved up this money so that they can have their dream wedding. 
So this is what I think another cool thing is that you can save up for future expenses is having a wedding fund in place if you have kids. This is also the place where you can start investing with your children. So if you want to start a custodial account or something like that, where you want to teach your kids how to invest or you want to invest for your kids, maybe you want to put a couple hundred bucks in your kid's account every single month because by the time they turn 65, if you're putting a couple hundred dollars into their account, they're going to be a multimillionaire just by you starting to do that right off the bat when they are young. So this is another time that you can do that. Or if you want to save extra for additional retirement expenses, maybe you want to have a second house or a third house in retirement. This is also an awesome spot to do that as well in the future expense category. And then the last step, number nine, is to pay off low interest debt. So once you've done all these goals and you've hit all this stuff and you're satisfied with where you are, then you can look at paying off low interest debt. Now, paying off things like your mortgage or your car loan or low interest student loans. Any debt below 4% is what I consider low interest debt. Now, there are a lot of folks out there who are going to argue with me about that. A lot of people want to go into this with zero debt whatsoever. Now, high interest debt, you don't want. We've already talked about that. But low interest debt, things like your mortgage and stuff, your dollars are better suited mathematically to be put into investments than they are paying down low interest debt. Let's just get real about this. Now, psychologically, if you feel better paying off your mortgage, all power to you. I think that's absolutely awesome, psychologically, if you feel better paying off your mortgage. But mathematically, it makes more sense to invest that money than it does to pay down this low interest debt. So looking at low interest debt, I would pay it down last. That's why it's the last step. But after you hit all this stuff, if you're happy where you are, if you're happy and you're hitting the goals, the financial goals that you have for you and your family, you know you're gonna get where you wanna be, then you can go after paying off this low interest debt. Now, in the case of the mortgage, I think if you're about to retire, if you're getting close to retire, maybe you should attack that mortgage a little more. Maybe you should get after that mortgage a little more because there's something about being retired and not having a mortgage that just makes you feel more comfortable. And so making sure that you get rid of something like that, get rid of this low interest debt before you retire, that way it's something where it's just less stress on you. And all we're trying to do here is these steps are in place to reduce your stress. Financial stress is going to be a bygone for you if you follow these steps. So Looking at this low interest debt step is something that you definitely want to do, and you want to do it over time. Maybe you have a mortgage. Well, in 30 years, you're going to have that mortgage paid off if you're in your 20s or 30s and you're looking to retire in 30 years. We're going to have that thing paid off over time. Or if you want to get really aggressive and you think it's going to make you feel better, then get aggressive. More power to you. Don't let me stop you on that one. So listen, I hope you guys learned something on this new Stairway to Wealth 2.0. We expanded it out because this is one of the most important things that we talk about on this podcast. So I wanted to make sure that you guys have as much information as possible within the Stair to Wealth. This is the order of operations for you. This is the order that you can put your money in. And it's incredible what you can do with your money if you follow these steps. Listen, check out that printable. I'll leave a link to it down in the show notes. All you have to do is enter your email address and you're gonna get that directly to you. And if you have any questions about this episode, hit me up on Instagram at mastermoneyco and follow us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast player you love listening to this podcast to. And if you wanna help out the show, leave a five-star rating and review. And check out our fresh content over on YouTube at Money over on YouTube. Thank you guys so much for listening to this podcast. We're all going to build generational wealth together. And thank you guys so much for listening to this podcast. My goal for each and every one of you is so that you can build generational wealth for you and your family. Thank you guys so much. I appreciate each and every single one of you. And we'll see you on the next episode.
everyone's heard the saying, you have to spend money to make money. But everything in life, from travel to starting a business, is expensive. Which is why I want to tell you about a new podcast I love that will teach you all the tactics, tricks, and tips you need to upgrade your life, money, and even travel, all while spending less and saving more. It's called All the Hacks, and it's a top-ranked show hosted by my good friend Chris Hutchins, a financial optimizer, an entrepreneur who's racked up millions of points, and he sold two companies. And if you want to rethink the way you're spending money, you have to check out the episode 91 with Bill Perkins and why you should be optimizing for net fulfillment and not net worth and striving to die with zero. All the Hacks has something for everyone, and I'm sure you'll find a new tactic that you can apply to your own life, whether it's a money hack that increases your net worth or a routine change that boosts your productivity. So check out All the Hacks. That's All the Hacks on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Your wallet will thank you later.